Hi, my name is Robert McMahon. I'm the Connection Director here at Covenant Church, and I'm thrilled that you're listening. If you're checking us out for the first time, welcome. We're so glad that you're here, and I'd like to take this chance to invite you to let us know that you're tuning in today. We'd love nothing more than to help you start building meaningful relationships and to join you on the journey of faith. Just go to bgcovenant.org connect and let us know how we can be in touch. With that said, let's dive in and listen together to this week's message. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness, for your love that chases us. God, we invite your Holy Spirit to be with us during this time. God, we thank you that you never stop pursuing us. Bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. It really is a blessing to be standing here with you today because believe it or not, 10 years ago, I almost died from an auto-acute immune attack on my brain and spine. When I finally woke up after weeks in the ICU at Toledo and the Cleveland Clinic, I was paralyzed and I was told I'd probably never walk again. At that time, my wife and I were in our third year of foster care. We just had our third biological child who was a micro premium, was born at two pounds and we were focused on trying to keep her alive. You could say it was a challenging time. But during that time, I experienced the profound, sacrificial love from my wife, family, friends, covenant church that I believe is the kind of love that Jesus has for us. I made a short video to help me remember all that God was doing in me in that time, and I wanted to share that with you today. Without you uh, is probably the most honest, difficult song that I've ever had to write because I, um, I got very, very sick at one point and uh, my wife, uh, during my sickness, thought that there was a chance that she could lose me. And you know, you say the things that you, you, you can say and that is, uh, you know, it's going to be okay, I'm going to be fine. And, but at that time in my life, I, I didn't know if it was going to be okay. You know, you never, you never quite plan for a moment when the person that you love the most says to you, you know, just don't leave me. Just a moment of peace. 
together since being paralyzed. Love you babes. Okay, gotta catch up to you now. Day 2018 and I have eight kids now, so I think I had seven in that. Man, when I reflect on that season of my life and I watch that video, I can't help but see a beautiful metaphor of the gospel. Whoa, hold on, what? 
Yeah, I see how sin immobilizes us from, our, from moving toward God. Yet God in his mercy moves toward us. I see Jesus defeating sin on the cross so that we can get up and walk with him. I see the Holy Spirit taking our hand as we, le- as we learn to jog with others and produce fruit. I see how the fervent prayer of family, friends, church impact eternity. I see how God has blessed us with amazing doctors and medical staff and people with hearts for helping. I see what it was like to live without the illusion of control. I see how God's good design for, cert- for creation was corrupted by sin and is destructive not only to our physical bodies, but to our eternal souls. You see, it's easy to see physical brokenness when you can't move your body, but it's much harder to see spiritual brokenness. Brokenness that's blinded you by pride, numbness from the comforts of life. Just like an overactive immune system caused great damage to my body, Pride is an overactive desire of self-love and self-preservation. It causes great damage to your relationship with God. Pride stops you from surrendering to God because it wants you on the throne of your life. Pride always compares ourselves to others. Humility compares ourselves to Christ. And there, we identify both our brokenness and our healer. Despite our pride and our problem with sin, the good news is that God does not leave us broken. He is kind. The Bible says the kindness of the Holy Spirit leads us to repentance. When this happens, God graciously takes off the blinders of our pride and illuminates the weight of our sin and how it has kept us from a relationship with Him and has scourged relationships with others. The Holy Spirit reveals to us how much Jesus deeply loves us. We can't resist his affection. Through a humble and thankful heart, we can say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I have ignored you. I have pridefully been on the throne of my own life. I'm sorry. Save me. Lead me. Be my friend. I invite you to take the throne of my life, the throne that I was sitting on, And I want to live for you, now and through eternity. And here's the great news about that. Regardless of what you've done, or how long you've ignored him and doubted his existence, he is patient and welcomes you home with outstretched arms. The same arms that were outstretched for us on the cross. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's awesome news. If you've never called on the name of the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sin, then don't waste another second. You can stop listening to me. Have this time with God right now and say, Lord Jesus, I need you. This is the starting line for growing fruitfulness. You see, the journey for spiritual, the journey from spiritual paralysis to spiritual fruitfulness starts when Jesus becomes your Lord. You see, this sermon series is ultimately about cultivating a life in Christ that produces much fruit. It's about growing and maturing in Christ. 
but we cannot skip that first step. We might have to return to it. We must first be connected to Christ, the vine, before we can produce fruit. If we choose to ignore Christ in our life and walk by the flesh, by ourself, we learned that sin turns normal, healthy desires into overactive desires. What the Bible calls lusts. They're, they're actually overactive desires. They're things that start out as something good, but overactivated, it becomes bad. For example, sin turns a good thing like the pursuit of truth into quarreling. It turns gladness for a friend into jealousy. It turns a healthy career path into selfish ambition. Like it turns the pursuit of justice into fits of rage. And the list goes on. And the list is, goes on right before Galatians 20 through, through 26 takes us into the fruit. And that's what I'm going to do right now. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions, and I would say over-desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So living by the Spirit sounds pretty awesome to me, to be honest. So let's double-click on love for a minute. The Greek word for love is agape, and it's the kind of love that is self-sacrificial, the kind of love God poured out for us on the cross, the kind of ruthless love that is charitable and blesses others and expects nothing in return. It delights in people for who they are and not for what they can do for you. It's also the kind of love that wants the best for your enemies and empowers you to pray for those who persecute you. That's some life-changing radical love, if you ask me. And God wants to produce this in us, cultivate this in us. So what about joy? If we double-click on joy, we see that the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. When we are tempted to obsessively search online or tune into the news for answers to problems in the world, we can instead look to the words of Jesus when he says in the Gospel of John, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. His sovereignty and absolute control of all things produces a supernatural joy in us that transcends the temporary. This doesn't mean that we tune out the problems of the world or put our heads in the sand, but instead, we turn to the one who can give us the fruit to become the solution. The kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Again, this fruit sounds pretty awesome. It sounds almost impossible. Like, wow, how can I get some of this? Seems like, this seems like, what? How does this happen? God, how do you produce this fruit in us? And I'm glad you asked. So let's see what, what Jesus says about this in the Gospel of John. Now, this is Jesus directly talking to his disciples and to us today. And in my opinion, this is going to be the highlight of, our, of the sermon today. You know, if I were to tell you Jesus is going to come out here and talk to you about how to bear fruit, I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen. He's coming on out. He's going to say this. And I'm going to just tell you this. He's very fond of the word abide. 
uses it about nine times, so I'm sort of like, okay, let's dig into this word abide. So I'm just going to go ahead and read it, and we'll talk about it. Starting in in, uh, verse 4. Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered and thrown in the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, this is pretty crazy, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay his life down for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I absolutely love the progression here. Jesus says the key to a person that matures and cultivates much fruit does what? He says it ten times. Abide. <laughs> abide in him, right? So how do we abide? Like, do we try to be a good person? Do we try to pray more, study more, come up with a cooler teaching, sing more, fellowship more? Well, what does Jesus say? It's right there in uh, verse 10. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So our ability to abide in Jesus and to become fruitful is to keep, keep his commandments. It's like, yikes, how many are there? What are they? Like a ton of rules that I got to follow now. Well, he boils it down to one, thankfully. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So you're like, oh, how does he love us? And he says it right there in verse 13. I love it. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Practicing sacrificial love is how we abide in Christ, mature and produce fruit. If you think about spiritual maturity on a continuum, it might help you to think about how a child abides in their parents' love and matures over time. So for example, my my two-year-old son, Jake, he isn't mature enough to practice sacrificial love. Maybe he thinks he can, but but he still abides in us in his own way. And we love him mightily. He delights in his family. He sings. He dances. He spends time with us. He repeats our words and is constantly learning. He has learned he can trust us and and he's learned he can enjoy us. He's learned some of the family rules and he tries to follow them as best he can. He loves hugs, cuddles, and kisses. As he grows older, and we continue to model sacrificial love for him, it is our hope and expectation that he would continue in maturity 
and model sacrificial love towards others. If he does that, he will produce much fruit in, in his life and hopefully carry on that same sacrificial love his parents carried on for him. You can kind of see how that works. Much of our Christian walk with our Heavenly Father includes things like what Jake is experiencing. We experience joy in God. We delight in the family of God. We sing, we dance, we spend time with Him. We read the Word. We try to repeat it. We learn to trust and enjoy Him. These are great things. These are blessings. But if this is all we do, if this is where it ends, we will remain babies in Christ. We learn in John 15 that abiding in Him ultimately is obedience to His command to love others as He has loved us. It's ultimately the most important aspect of maturing in Christ and producing fruit. The point of our Christian walk isn't to sing more creative and fun songs or learn more fascinating teachings, though these are blessings and good things and they do edify us. But it's about laying down our life and loving one another sacrificially. As you do this, you abide in Christ and he promises a fruit filled life this way of life cultivates love and joy and all the other facets of the fruit of the spirit when you look at your life today what does it look like to love sacrificially in your life does it involve practicing the discipline of not having to have the last word maybe being aware and on the lookout for opportunities to bless other people with no credit involved Maybe doing good things in, in secret, not having to take the glory. These are one of many, many things that we can do to, where we lay our lives down and do things sacrificially. It may seem impossible, but Christ promises fruit. He promises us that we will bear much fruit as we do these things. Sometimes you have to practice doing things you don't yet have the capacity to do. During my journey from paralysis to running races, there were things I had to practice before I could physically do them. They seemed impossible, but over time the fruit of strength in my body was cultivated and my spine healed and my muscles grew. I had to practice sitting up before I had core muscles. I had to practice walking with a cane before I had the strength to walk. I had to practice reading and writing before my brain was capable. I had to reflect on where my significance came from apart from being a useful person to my family and community. Though my legs felt hopeless, I woke up each morning with hope from my Savior. I had to rely on the help and support and accountability of the medical staff, friends, family, church, reliance on others, not myself. Over time, I had to practice things that I was not yet capable of doing in hopes that it would prepare me to do them in the future. Likewise, Christ calls us to abide in Him by obeying His commandments, to lay our lives down for one another and practice His kind of love, sacrificial, life-laying-down love, which ultimately results in bearing fruit, entering into more fruit of the Spirit in our life. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, thank you so much, God, that you can show us metaphors through trying times, like losing the ability to walk, and you can illuminate the gospel truth that though we were paralyzed by our sin, you don't leave us as those who cannot walk. Yet you came down and your son Jesus died the death we deserve so that we have, can have the life you want with us. Lord, we thank you and I pray that everyone here that hears your words, Lord, would be blessed and that they would grow deeper in their knowledge of you and their actions of self-sacrificial love. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi again. Just a reminder to let us know that you're listening by heading over to bgcovenant.org connect. If you're ready to be known, we'd love to know you. And we hope you'll join us soon, every Sunday, in person or online. Thanks for listening.